This episode contains frank talk about suicide. If you are thinking about suicide or are worried about a friend or a loved one, the Canada Suicide Prevention Service is available 24-7-365 at 1-833-456-4566. You can also find links to suicide prevention and mental health support services in the footnotes for this episode. You are not alone. This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Ferminger. Today, we will talk about a powerful film that shines a light on suicide and the myriad of emotions and experiences connected to it. The film is Back Home, and it premieres this month at the 2022 Vancouver International Film Festival. Directed by Nisha Platzer and produced by friend of the pod, Joella Kabalu, the film follows Nisha's journey to get to know her older brother, Josh, 20 years after he took his own life. Over the span of five years, Nisha connects with the friends who knew Josh best as a teenager. It isn't long before his chosen family becomes hers, too. We watch as Nisha tries to make sense of something that doesn't always make sense and learn how to make space for grief and healing in her life. Back Home is unlike any documentary I've ever seen on this subject. It's a quiet film where you lean in to listen. And even though tragedy and trauma are present, so are connection and community and growth and love. It's a haunting and nuanced film, shifting between past and present, employing 16 millimeter and super eight footage, sometimes dreamlike and even out of focus. The last of which is fitting because that's often how we experience life memory and the loss of a loved one. Today, I'm humbled to welcome Nisha Platzer and Joella Kabalu to the podcast to tell us all about it. Nisha, Joella, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for that lovely introduction, Sabrina. I am honored and humbled to have you both here today. Um, I'm going to start with you, Nisha. We were talking about how this film, although it is about it touch, it's about your brother, it's about his life and it's about the end of his life. What kind of film did you want to make? What kind of film did you not want to make? And how did you make sure that you stayed close to your goal? You know, first it was like, oh, maybe this will be a photo essay with audio elements and then maybe a short film. But there was just so much that that was revealed about Josh and his life and to uncover um, in the connections that I was forming with his, his community that eventually it did feel like I have a film on my hands. Hmm. Um, And yeah, it it was definitely intentional to 
keep it from becoming overly heavy or overly dramatic. It's like the loss of someone to suicide is inherently dramatic. We don't need to add to that. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't want to, you know, manipulate the audience with dramatic music or make the recreations heavy handed. Like I really always intended to lean into subtlety and um, steer away from the obvious uh, in a sense. And, and also um, from early on, I had wanted to include elements of my experimental film practice uh, that, that was something that, you know, I started photography in high school at the time that I was really going through some of the major um, moments of, of grief and processing Josh's death. So darkroom processes and yeah, being, you know, being with holding the film in my hands. And that has always been really interwoven in my grief process. So it just made sense to have that be part of this film. Um, and yeah, like the, to stay true to that, I think it was mostly about the people that I chose to work with. So Joella. Mm. Yeah. Let's bring Joella into <laughs> Joella the conversation and, then. And, uh, um, you know, our editors, everyone that was really close to me on this project, just really loved and respected and supported that approach. Yeah. Joella, why, why was this a film that you wanted to work on? So um, Nisha had asked me to, produce I think twice <laughs> before I said yes oh okay. um, and I as you're aware I, I'm, I'm drawn to personal stories I was really drawn to Nisha's uh, visual artistic approach um, and I, I saw that uh, um there was a link between how she was processing her grief with processing film and that mm. there's a, a, a tie in there that it wasn't just to, because it looks cool, <laughs> um, that it felt very authentic to um, her own experience. Um, mm. And on a personal note, like I felt connected um, to that experience of, of what Josh was probably going through. Like I grew up at the same time um, or came of age at the same time he did. And I had my struggles with mental health and I, I felt really that resonated a lot with me. Um, and I felt when I uh, felt um, more strong in kind of my mental health and my capacity, that's when I felt I, I could really support Nisha on this, on this journey. And um, as Nisha was saying to you that with um, our editors, Milena Salazar and Jen Strom, um, we've really created a container for supporting <laughs> uh, Nisha and, uh, and kind of always echoing back what were um, her intentions to be subtle um, to lean into the quiet moments. Um, so having all of us around to be accountable for that, I think really helped in the striving for the integrity of uh, Misha's vision. Hmm. 
What are some widely held misconceptions about grief or loss or suicide that you you want to dispel with back home? And what do you think are the is the damage that's done by these misconceptions? Well, firstly, I I would like to say that I I I didn't intend to send any particular message. So I, I didn't want this to have a message or a call to action at the end, you know, to pretend like I have the answers in some way because I don't. Um, but I think that in talking about suicide, the more we talk about it, the more we actually realize how prevalent it is. Um, and, you know, because there is still so much stigma and even shame and isolation around it, the more we share our experience, I think it opens up space for people to know that they're not alone. Hmm. Um, so that, that feels important, but suicide is not the focus of the film. Hmm. The film is really about memory and grieving communally and about getting to know someone after they've died. Hmm. I want to move into the, um, the actual production and process of, you know, of filming. Tell me about some of the challenges that you faced we were able to get telefilm funding and then, and then there was a global pandemic. Uh, <laughs> um, that would be challenging. Challenge. That would be challenging. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the combination of making a personal film about such a huge loss that's very emotional while living through a pandemic is probably one of the harder things one could choose to do. Um, but I, you know, I, I had this incredibly supportive team Um, and there were a lot of really memorable, really joyous days. I have a couple in mind. Um, one was, uh, when I, I went to film school in Cuba and so Mm. some of the filming happened there and a very dear friend whose name is Flavio, he's our Brazilian DP. Um, he and I became close very soon after we met at film school. He also experienced the loss of a brother so I think that brought us even closer. Um, and we we went to film at the seaside in a town called Baracoa. And it was just him and I. We were shooting on 16 millimeter black and white. And it was really just this sense of play. Like we didn't, we didn't um, you know, have the pressure of a deadline or we didn't, you know, really we were just playing and seeing what was going to happen. And um, then I went back to the the lab at the school and developed the film. And I just remember finishing processing the film and running out and like finding Flavio and being like, it worked and it's beautiful and you're amazing. And just so much joy uh, that we shared through that experience. Some of that footage that was shot, you know, now four or more years ago, um, Mm. actually made it into the film. Uh, And, and then another highlight also with the Bolex camera um, this time we were shooting with Suze Friesen, who's our, our Vancouver DP. Um, we, we had eight wonderful youth actors who were making these, what I like to call reconstruction scenes mm. or reimaginings. Um, we were filming on Spanish banks last summer and uh, there was a giant drum circle at Spanish banks that night. Um, luckily we were not recording sound thank God. But um, they couldn't even hear me. So, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't direct 
with my voice. So I had to use my hands and we would you know, like give them a ten, countdown of 10, holding my hands up in the air for them to, to uh, start the scene. And then when we would cut, they would all start dancing to the drum music. Um, and it was just this really vibrant, beautiful, positive spirit, um, you know, long days, but so much great energy that really lifted me up. Um, and it was so joyous to witness them being creative and making friends and, you know, contributing to this, this spirit of the movie that doesn't stay in sorrow or heaviness. It's, mm. you know, showing some of that beauty and joy that was, that was part of Josh's life as well as his darkness. Mm. What about for you, Joella? What challenges did you experience? What joys did you experience in the process of, of producing this film? Yeah, as Nisha mentioned, um, soon after I came on board, we we applied to the Telefilm Talent to Watch um, program, and uh, with our industry partner, uh, the Vancouver International Film, and Curtis Wallachuk, nominating our project. And in June, I believe, of 2019, we were selected, and Nisha read the email to me over the phone <laughs> and um you know and then quickly you know fast forward six months later um we're in a global pandemic and considering as Nisha mentioned about this is a film about grief and loss and people are actively going through that um and so that presented another challenge. I think there was one point I told Nisha that I'm going to retire after this film is made because this has been one of the hardest things to do to mm -hmm. how, do we, how do we change our production schedule? Um, so we, we delayed um, uh, filming um, until 2021, but in some ways it was a blessing we, we started working um, on our edit, going through all of the material that Nisha had filmed in development and our footage that we had filmed in Cuba earlier that year in 2020. And I really am grateful and um, for the time spent with our editors, Jen and Milena, um, the four of us um, collectively going through all of this material. It felt like, like film school. <laughs> and having very deep conversations um, about each of the, the footage and what, how we could work into the film, what kind of film are we um, making. And I found that collaborative process um, quite healing to, to be together during this very intense period uh, in the world, um, but to be able to hold space for that. So I think it, it was when I saw the rough cut of the film that was a moment for me, like, we have a film. <laughs> and all of that time moving through the material organically in the time that you're supposed to process, which sometimes doesn't align with industry standards. Mm. Um, that's in, it, in, inorganic process yeah. when you consider how you have to apply for this and do this and yeah, this and this. And like yeah. actually and process whatever feelings might arise. Um, yeah. uh, 
yeah, so it, when we came to a rough cut, I felt like we have we have a film, and so that was very um, uplifting moment. <laughs> now you took you took this the film. And, and I, I guess I don't understand a lot about what happened. So you can tell me, but you, you went to France with this, with this film, right? You went to Cannes. Can you tell me about what that was? Thanks for mentioning that Sabrina, because that was actually on my, my list of joyous moments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so through um, a partnership with RIDM, um, Hot Docs and Telefilm Canada, uh, they nominated four projects across Canada to uh, attend Cannes Docs, uh, the Marche in, in Cannes, um, to pitch um, our project. Um, and we did that while in the midst of trying to lock our film. <laughs> um, so uh, we have this saying um, that uh, we kept selling ourselves while we were very stressed was that we can do hard things. Yes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's adorable. I love it. But also, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was an opportunity. It's a dad joke. Sorry, Joel, yeah. but it's a total dad joke. Like <laughs> But it helped when we were in the midst of um being so stressed out that it's like, yes, we can. <laughs> yes, you can. You can. When you were talking to, you know, these decision makers and these, you know, all these, you know, international film industry types, did they like what was there anything in their response to the material that surprised you? Like, did they did they get it? You know, like, were they like taken aback? Like, just tell me what some of the responses were. Well, after our pitch, which was really three minutes of a rural pitch, and we showed 10 minutes of an excerpt from the film, um, we were interviewed by Variety, um, and they wrote a, a wonderful write-up. Um, and I think uh, the reporter was really interested in the process Hmm. Um, of the not only the chemical processing of the film, but also kind of some of the environmental uh, processes. And again, what I really appreciate about Nisha's artistic process that it was very authentic to um, her experience, and also um, you know really rooting it in about learning more about her brother. And Nisha, if you want to talk more about that, yeah. Um, well. Yes, Cannes was total madness and all credit to Joella for getting us there, honestly, because I was immersed in trying to finish the film. <laughs> she wrote all of the grants and did all of the organizing and was a total rock star. Um, not surprising, but uh, yeah, we, yeah, we, we did get a chance to talk about the film with a lot of people. And, and as Joella was saying, I think that, that, um, element of the film, the kind of like handmade tactile aspect of it does stand out to people perhaps as a bit unusual, but also, um, you know, I, I did things like burying the film in the dirt and leaving it there for a few days and then coming back and getting it and seeing the, the way that the emulsion is stripped from the film and you get these interesting patterns. Um, and I used seawater wow. to process the film and seaweed and um, plants from Cypress Mountain. Um, all, of, all of these methods uh, were rooted in 
um, I guess the, the symbols of Josh for me, mm-hmm. you know, they were places that were significant to him, Cypress Mountain, the ocean, um, the train tracks that are no more, but they used mm-hmm. to be, uh, you know, running along Arbutus near the high school that we both went to. So those were places that were really important to him. And in fact, they were places that he asked for his ashes to be scattered. Mm. Um, So I was incorporating those places in the materiality of the film. And then the idea of actually using Josh's ashes arose. Um, And that Mm. was something that I, I hadn't thought about until quite late in the process, but I decided to try it. And so that is also one of the visual elements that can be seen in the film um, is yeah the actual physical ashes um, on the celluloid mm. created kind of a it, yeah it created kind of like a ghostly glow in some parts. Wow, incredible! You know, you're we are talking about process and we're talking about discoveries. Nisha, what what were some discoveries that you made, you know, either about yourself or about Josh or about that incredible chosen family or about, you know, grief and loss, you know, in the many years process of making this film? Yeah, I definitely got to know my brother through making this film. You know, I feel closer to him than I have ever felt, Um, Hmm. as well as being close to his friends, um, which is a wonderful uh, experience and and uh, to have them in my life. But I, I think I also discovered how grief can can change and evolve and it can go from being something that's so mournful and painful into something that, you know, where there's a space that you can actually appreciate and feel soothed by the memory of a person. Um, I think about my parents and their journey and just how much how much pain they went through. But now, even though that's still there and will always be with them, they, they can now experience joy when they mm-hmm. look at pictures of my brother and, mm-hmm. and feel this love that they shared and how you know, how much he brought to their lives in just 15 years. And it's, it's really been healing, I think, for all of us, and especially for me to witness them um, move into that place where it's mm. not just anguish and pain, but there's also some joy. Hmm. Joella, this, this film feels, I mean, wh- while it is similar to, to other films that you've done because of the deeply personal nature of it, I mean, this is a film where uh, you are a producer and your filmmaker, your director is in the film and it's it is their story and their their family story, their brother's story, their her their chosen family story. How, How was this different from films where the director is not as intimately connected to the subject matter, um, you know, or features prominently in the film? Yeah, as you're familiar with, with my first film, It Runs in the Family, I was in it, mm-hmm. <laughs> as well as my brother and um, our extended family. Um, so I learned a lot 
from that experience. And um, I was grateful for the opportunity to apply some of those lessons um, to this process. And though I've, I've produced other uh, short documentaries that are not um, the director's personal story, all of those filmmakers have been personally invested yeah. um, in the participants and their story. And what I've learned uh, from all of those experiences and my own is um, that the main uh, thing to, to keep at the forefront is how do you foster connection and build trust? Um, not only between myself and the director, but the director and the participants. Um, and so that's a, a, a through line through all of these projects, um, whether it's about mountain bikers or a motorcyclist. <laughs> um, they're, they're people with, um, who might feel anxious about being on camera or how do we, how it's always made me think about how I want to continue making films in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. um, there, yeah, some participants might be dealing with very difficult trauma or just things that are difficult to talk about. And so how do we create space where it's, uh, they feel comfortable and in good hands to share that. So I feel that's uh, an important um, lesson that I've brought through all these projects. You are both storytellers, powerful storytellers. How do you think the experience of directing this film, producing this film has changed you? You know, what does it tell us about the kind of work? And I say work instead of films, because I know, especially you, Nisha, you have your hands and all, all sorts of things. And I, I love how even the evolution of this film, you know, it was a it was photos and then it was maybe a short film. And, you know, we see music and really tactile visual art in there as well. Like, how, how do you, what does this tell us about the work that you would like to make in the future? Um, I probably don't want to make another personal film anytime mm. soon. <laughs> as much as it has been a really generative and beautiful experience, it has, you know, been probably the hardest thing that I've ever done. And, uh, I would like to do something light and a short turnaround next, maybe some quirky music videos or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, certainly I, I intend to continue making films. Um, I've always been interested in, in uh, you know, moving into narrative and kind of combining the experimental with that as well. But um, yeah, I think, you know, as, as Joella spoke about a little bit, the healthy relationships that we were able to have with everyone that we were working with has just made the experience so enjoyable and mm -hmm. healthy and um, supportive. And I really just want to continue that in, in my future projects of like loving working with the people who you're working with and trusting them and feeling like you can be open and honest with them that is such a gift mm. what about for you joella 
I think Nisha said everything I wanted to say. We, I think we have a lot of um, conversations about this, about how we want to make film, how we want to make this um, project. And definitely and, and in the midst of making a global pandemic, being empathetic to everybody's own personal journeys um, with grief and loss as we're actively going through it. So being mindful of that um, and making space for, for all of that. Um, I, I wanna take that with future projects. I really love the collaborative aspect of, of our, you know, our quadrant, <laughs> I'm trying to back of our back homies as we, hmm. we've called ourselves. Um, and, uh, <laughs> um, and, Really, I think we're we're trying to strip away this very hierarchical way of making films, and that um, we mm-hmm. we see how everyone contributes, um, and seeing how it all creates to the the whole to the project. And so, I'd like to continue that way of um, working with each other. Now, back home, we'll have in-person screenings at the 2022 Vancouver International Film Festival. One of the things that I love about an in-person film festival is that people can gather in the lobby after the film, have a beverage, talk about it, you know, or like just you, you can actually watch people watching your film. What kind of conversations would you like to be overhearing in the lobby? What kind of what kind of emotional reactions would you like to inspire in others through your film? I'm just excited to see people watch it first and foremost. Um, it was, yeah, always intended to be a festival film, intended to be a film that people saw in a theater, you know, with a group of strangers. <laughs> uh, I, I just, yeah, I really wanted that to be how it was, absorbed um, and not not online necessarily or not with people kind of seeing it by themselves at home and not having a space to to have those conversations after. I think it's really important that people do have um, a place to converse after seeing it. But um, yeah, I hope that I hope that people leave the film feeling in some way cleansed. Um, that they've witnessed this process of healing and that maybe it could give them courage to seek out stories of their own or of people who they've lost or connect with people who they've lost touch with, you know, and not, not being afraid to reach out and create space for having difficult conversations. So I hope it, it resonates with people in that way. Mm. What about you, Joella? What would, you, what would you like to overhear people? <laughs> what kind of conversations would you like to he- overhear people have in the lobby after the screenings? Yeah, as to, to echo what Nisha was saying, um, it's interesting how, you know, the kind of the thesis of the film or what we've, Nisha has learned about um, the communal experience of grieving and healing together. And now we get to do that watching a film mm-hmm. together in community in person. Um, so it's a nice <laughs> through line there as well. Um, we've noticed when we did our test screenings um, that people would be talking for hours afterwards and that the film 
brings up maybe surprisingly for some people emotions and feelings that they didn't realize that they had. So I, I hope that people really, um, I know it's a festival and folks might have uh, another screening to go to, but uh, I hope folks make some space with um, their people um, that they came to the screening with to kind of decompress, debrief, have snack. Like that's always great to process, <laughs> digest, mm-hmm. um, and just be open to those conversations and feelings that might come up. Hmm. It's been an absolute honor hosting you both today on the YBR Screen Scene Podcast. Nisha Platzer, Joella Kabalu, where can our listeners find you, follow you, and keep up to date on this film's journey? So we are on the socials. <laughs> the socials. Uh, yeah, so there's a Facebook page, Melodious Image, and on Instagram and Twitter at the same handle. Um, and uh, certainly go to the, the Back Home um, VIF website as well for information about our world premiere and our second screening. We will have links to all of the social media handles uh, as well as the Back Home page on VIF website uh, in the footnotes for this episode. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. So listeners... Please like, subscribe, leave us a review. If you are so inclined, you can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. And also you can visit vif.org for tickets, screening times and info about how to access their online screenings and also the in-person screenings of Back Home at the 2022 Vancouver International Film Festival. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen Scene. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Firminger. I'm the host and executive producer. This podcast is produced and edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger, whose bedroom I am sitting in right now while I record, uh, for recording our Patreon ad. To Paul Furminger for technical support. And to Dane, not Furminger Devlet. Poor not Furminger Dane, but you are family for us, Dane. For the original music, Webbear Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North, before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com. <laughs>